The Bonfires of Social Enterprise with Detroit-based Rami Gingrass of Gingrass Global. My good friend Cecily Jackson Zapata joins our discussion. I'm here with Cecily and we uh, are in the car actually. <laughs> We're in the car in downtown LA. She was just uh, showing me Skid Row. I'd never seen it before and uh, really learning a lot about the need here. We're sitting in the parking lot of the downtown women's center we're going to visit with made by dwc which okay. is made by downtown women's center cecily why did we pick this place you you really picked this place out right in the beginning when we were talking about doing some stuff in la uh, made by dwc is one of the earliest and strongest social enterprises that we see in the skid row area and the organization is fortunate enough to have a strong nonprofit organization that has a really big commitment to social enterprise behind it. And they've gone through a number of iterations as they've been developing their program, um, incorporating people from both within the Downtown Women's Center program as well as people outside the community even as you'll see when we go in the boutique was designed by the people who were designing the stores oh, at cool. Bloomingdale's oh wow okay. and um, they've been able to create this really beautiful space right in the heart of Skid Row that serves everybody from the office workers in downtown Los Angeles people who work at a number of the service agencies that work with the homeless and other uh, populations that live here in Skid Row, as well as the residents of Skid Row themselves. Um, so I think it's unique in that respect. Yeah. I also wanted to visit with Joe and with DWC, made by uh, DWC, because they've worked through a number of issues that I see are common to social entrepreneurs and social enterprises, whether they're nonprofit or for-profit, oh, cool. yeah. where they have an idea about something that they think is going to work and uh, they try out a number of different iterations of that and then figure out exactly what it is that works for them. Now, they're still growing, they're still changing, they're still adapting, but we can see that they are doing more things to help others as well as um, incorporating a variety of um, alternative ways to meet the needs of their customers. I always wanna tell social entrepreneurs that it takes a minute to figure out what's gonna work when you're putting business with social. It just takes a minute and we're all learning. Yep. So um, I'm excited to learn about what they're doing here. And who are we meeting with? We are going to meet with Joe Altapeter, who is the director of Made by DWC at Downtown Women's Center. And he also happens to serve as the chair of the board for Social Enterprise Alliance's Los Angeles chapter. All right, well, let's head on in. All right. So, Joe, I would love for you to describe what Made by DWC is, how your program works, and what it is that you're doing here. Yeah, great question. Um, Made by DWC is a social enterprise that was created by the Downtown Women's Center. Um, it was really created, and the Downtown Women's Center was created to break the cycle of chronic 
homelessness and made by DWC is, was created to create to break the cycle of chronic unemployment. So it is a workforce development social enterprise with the business foundation in product development and design and retail. So we have two retail stores, we have a cafe and gift boutique, we have a resale boutique at, at two separate locations, and then we have a handmade product line. So we're connected to the larger, larger organization of the Downtown Women's Center. We serve about 4,000 women or a little over 4,000 women every year that are um, struggling with homeless issues. Um, we've been around for 37 years, I like to say 37 successful years. Um, we focus on everything from basic needs, mental health, ha to permanent supportive housing, then of course, uh, workforce development within the social enterprise. And Jill, how do you define workforce development? We've come to understand it means a little bit different definition in different parts of the U.S. Yeah, it might even be a little bit different how we define it as an organization, you know, locally within the city of Los Angeles. But um, we look at the population that we serve and we understand the, the, the diversity of that population and the diversity of the skills and talents that they bring to the center every day. It was really important for us to understand that workforce development needs to be a really broad um, an overarching program so every woman can participate regardless of her ability to work in the working in the you know the, to get a job at the end of the program it's really about building that is part of the programming is getting people employed getting them sustainable in the the employment world but it's also about creating sustainability on the mental health level on the um, housing level so getting women that might not otherwise participate in our programs here at the center might want to participate in our our product labs where they're making our handmade product line or in our job training program so they can work in a cool cafe and gift boutique um, it's just another way of engaging the community in which we serve. So yeah, it's a little bit different. And then we do do jump into the hardcore workforce development and we're working with the city of Los Angeles, the WIB, um, which is the Workforce Investment Board of the city of Los Angeles. We're working with the Economic Development and Workforce Development Department of the city of Los Angeles. So we're doing that as well and getting women placed, but we also recognize this whole other need that our population kind of gets left out of in workforce development. So when you look at workforce development so far, are you providing any kind of permanent jobs where you're looking at people are going to come and they're going to get these skills and they're going to work with you and this is it? Or is it really something that you're looking at transitioning where you're providing the skills and the assets that they need in order to find a job somewhere else and that you're looking at transitioning women to jobs in other places. We actually do both of those. So we, um, within our within our social enterprise, our two retail stores, we have permanent part-time positions for the women. So they permanent meaning they can work here as long as they so choose. And then we also have we're starting a new program. Um, it's a transitional program, so that'll be employment program. So that'll be twelve months working in our social enterprise with really intensive on-the-job training components or elements that will, which will build them up so they'll be successful in the working world. So then we'll move them from our social enterprises, temporary jobs, we'll work with, uh, with the work sources in the city of Los Angeles and get them placed in uh, 
uh, permanent jobs. So you've got two retail stores. Yes. There's a cafe is just inside of one of them. And by the way, they're beautiful. So some of the women can work in the program. And are you taking women only from the residential um, or the downtown women's centers? Um, are they your, your only candidates or do you take some from outside of the center? Yeah, we actually work with both. So the, the Downtown Women's Center has a drop-in center we call our day center, which we serve about over 4,000 women every year. So those women might not live with us. We have 119 units of permanent supportive housing here on site. So those women also participate in whatever programs the Downtown Women's Center offers are open to both groups of women. So the women that we house, here permanently and the women that we work through our day center. As you know, I was around when the social enterprise really was first launched. And at first, um, it was my impression, and from what I've heard, the organization may have realized that the women maybe who were in the program and who were in the day program weren't necessarily in the place where they could take on those positions as quickly as the organization had originally anticipated. Our first store opened almost four years ago. Our second store opened just two years ago. So we really wanted to build, we needed to build a really solid financial foundation. So how we did that, or really the financial foundation, but also the business model itself. So how we did that was we worked with hiring people, individuals from the general population that come in with these skills. Um, and the idea behind our social enterprise was always to hire from the population that we serve. So we're now moving in that direction. So we built this really solid business model foundation. We've started hiring. Our participants will eventually become our store associates. So we currently have two women on staff um, that we have hired permanently and then we'll in September we'll bring on five more women that are in those transitional employment positions um, and then it's going to grow from there. We notice that sometimes when people are given a chance to create something or do something with their hands they tend to empower power themselves through workforce development programs a little bit differently. Yeah. Are you noticing any of that here? Yeah, most definitely with, I think, you know, art has a diff has an impact on all of us. And when the women come into the program, they might not be artists, they might not be crafters, but they're going to learn. So they have this opportunity to work with their hands, to develop something, and to be really proud of what they've done. So I think that's the big key, too, is they have this opportunity to see their end product in a store. We also sell our products wholesale. So... Bloomingdale's in Century City, though we took them on a, a, a trip there to, so they could see their products. So it's about that, creating this space that is really empowering for the women. They're coming from backgrounds or lives that um, they didn't always have that opportunity. So to create that, and I think art and crafting and working with the hands are a big piece of that. So looping back to what Cecily was asking, did you find... Anything that was different than what you originally thought when you said, okay, we'll have women start to do this. What were some of your early discoveries? Because I think for all of us, social entrepreneurs are always different than what you, what you think. You, you just got to sort of get started and, and you've got social staffing here is what I would call that. Where yeah. um, We're not all robots, you know, everybody's got a different, different filter as they come into your business and you're trying to figure out 
how do I decide on employment and how do I do that? So did any of this maker, I'll call it the maker space, this maker opportunity help you discern who was going to become employees or not? Yeah, definitely. And it, it gave them that opportunity to see themselves as a you know, viable staff person or being product, a productive staff person. So not only internally, but also externally when we place women outside, it did give them, it gives them, offers them that opportunity to see themselves very differently than they might have seen themselves in the past. Yeah. Yeah. You know what, Cecily, this is um, so interesting to me. As I'm listening to you, Joe, I think, I'm thinking as a small business owner as much as I am, you've got so many of the difficult parts of a small business here. Yeah as you think about that, because you're thinking about the end customer of the products, mm -hmm. helping your staff become good employees, and then potentially transition out the other way, <laughs> have high quality products. Mm -hmm. And something I noticed when we walked in is you have to also think about it from a manufacturing. I noticed he was naturally thinking about it, like what could we reproduce? What could right. we really do consistently? There's so many parts to this that are real challenge. There's so much learning we could do from you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I would love to hear a little bit more about the actual inspiration from Downtown Women's Center and what led you to create these uh, boutiques and, and these social enterprises. When we were expanding into back in 2010, we understood that there were uh, some areas of growth for us and one of them was workforce development so we took this opportunity to include that in our in our expansion and then we researched different workforce development programming models and then we landed upon social enterprise which is very new for all of us here on staff and it was really exciting to see it brought this different opportunity for us than a straightforward kind of cookie cutter or straightforward workforce development programming. It gives us this physical space that is, it's really a beautiful space. It, it, we, it's a cafe and gift boutique. Um, and boutique is the key word in there with our resale boutique. It's a boutique. There's our spaces that I can feel proud of, you as a customer can feel proud of shopping, and the women that we serve can feel really proud of working at and being a part of the center of the Downtown Women's Center. We take a lot of pride in who we are as an agency aesthetically um, and what are the spaces that we're creating for the women that we serve because uh, aesthetics has a lot, of, a, a lot of impact, I think, on all of our lives. You know, we were talking about creating art, but art itself has an impact mm -hmm. on all of us. So the architecture, the design of the space, all of that is really, really important. I come from a design background and a business background. That was my first life. Ah. Um, and I guess I'm taking it forward into this second life. Um, oh, I love that. But that's really exciting to bring it here. The inspiring thing are the women that we serve every day. I mean, they're really, really, really the key inspiration for me. But also our community partners, having mm -hmm. the opportunity to work with Bloomingdale's to do our customer service and our job training, work with Groundworks Coffee and they do our barista training and our job in our jobs training programs. Um, working with you all, I mean, we're now on bonfires of social <laughs> enterprise and we got to meet Rami. So, I mean, creating these opportunities for us to 
engage the world, the, the community as a whole. Um, that's the great piece of the space, of the Made by DWC. It's co-located within our um, facilities, so the community at large will come into our coffee shop or cafe and gift boutique, and they can shop, and then they're served by the women of the community. They uh, buy products that are made by the women of the community. They might not even know where they're at. They just know that they're hungry or want a coffee drink or they want to buy a gift, but they're being impacted. And our ad our marketing or advocating towards ending homelessness or issues and issues around homelessness is really the main objective. That's something that struck me right from the very beginning, from the very first time I visited the boutique, which was, I believe, at the end of 2011, maybe? Yeah, early 2011. It was yeah. early 2011, yeah. yes. And it was extraordinary right here in the heart of Skid Row in downtown Los Angeles in an area where um, it's actually known around the world. Um, and it's also known throughout even just Los Angeles and California and other parts of the United States where people, um, they don't necessarily understand exactly what's going on here. And when they come here, it's often jarring uh, yeah. to see the way that uh, many people are forced to live. What struck me was how beautiful the environment mm -hmm. is within your first boutique. The windows, the natural light, just the environment and the design of that space in particular. I think that that has an extraordinary impact on the women as well, like you're saying from your design background. But um, just actually being welcomed into a space that is as beautiful as your boutique and you're the center right there. The primary purpose of this space is to present materials and you know products that you've created. I, I can't even really imagine what kind of impact that must have upon the women who are in the program because it is a really extraordinary environment. I really emphasize the community of Skid Row. That name itself can be jarring. You come down here for the first time, it can be jarring and seeing people sleeping on the streets, but it's really, this is a community, and working with these women of the community, you see how how active they are within the community. These are, this, is, this community is no different than Silver Lake or Hollywood or Beverly Hills. It's a community of individuals that live here and take pride in where they live. They take pride in their lives. And they're in this space that hasn't that we as a community haven't um, maybe paid enough attention to to create these spaces where they can be engaging for the individuals and create a different feel or atmosphere within Skid Row. And I, you know, we'll always go back to I think art and design and beauty is impactful to everyone's lives. One of the key things of what the Downtown Women's Center does. In, in its design of its physical spaces, but specifically the Made by DWC brand. So when we're selling this brand in Century City, the individuals buying it there, they're seeing this brand, and it's a, a pretty, it's a beautiful brand, and it's high quality, um, and they're seeing that it's made by people, the individuals that happen to live in the community of Skid Row. So 
um, it's really, really, really impactful in that way. It can change a lot of perceptions. Absolutely. Very, very impactful. And for those of you who aren't from Los Angeles, Century City is right next to Beverly Hills. It is uh, right in the middle of some of the wealthiest areas of Los Angeles. And so you have your products at Bloomingdale's there. And a lot of these people never come to Skid Row and never come to this area and wouldn't even really consider anything that um, is produced here. And so I think you're having a great impact on people in our city who wouldn't necessarily receive that type of education and have those thoughts even cross their minds um, without your product. Having this product development space, um, the design labs where the women are making products, that's really impactful to the women. That is the social impact. Mm -hmm. Having the job training programs um, are impactful okay. for the women to you know, learn the soft skills, hard skills, the technical skills to be job ready, um, and then placing them with our job partners, having the success stories that we hear um, from the different women when they come back to us and talk about their jobs that they've just gotten and how fun it is to be working and how engaged they are in the process. And it's an amazing thing to see how motivated they are. Has the organization has made by DWC started to contribute any revenues at all to downtown women's center? We know that when you start a social enterprise within a larger organization, often uh, it takes a while for that program to get up and running and actually to provide some level of sustainability. But have you gotten there yet? Our revenue supports the physical space in which we can do our programming. Mm -hmm. um, our, we haven't met the revenues yet to cover the, the programmatic elements. However, the pro our program elements are they're very broad and vast because it's not just that specific workforce development, job readiness. Right. It's impactful on so many different levels of getting women housed, getting them the mental health that they need or the physical health, uh, medical health that they need. Um, so it's a, a challenging question. It's, it's, you know, when we look at our financial bottom line, what do we, what goes into our, you know, programs that would be considered the cost of those programs. So. We use um, funding from local funders, might be individuals, private donors, um, foundations that really look at workforce development programming. Um, but we do have a revenue that keeps that physical space going. If you could dream big, truth as you know it today, truth of the moment I say, not necessarily goals yeah. that we'd have to say in front of a board or something, but if you let yourself dream, what could this look like? I mean, I, people say this all the time, you have a million dollar product here, that's my dream, is like making that million, like scaling to that million dollar product. When mm -hmm. I hear million dollar product, I hear million dollar revenue, right? So I want to see, I, that's my big dream. But, you know, having on a daily basis, getting an email from a, a, a woman that went through one of our job training programs, um, we had an internship with Evie of California that does... Um, they do apparel, girls apparel, and they do a, a three-month paid internship program for our women 
then they, we work with them to move them into permanent jobs. And this woman worked at Abbey for three months and then got a job at Macy's in Century City. And she wrote an email back to us and Evie um, raving about what she learned and how she couldn't have done that without what she learned here. So that's dreaming big. One person like having this amazing opportunity that she never thought she had or that she, you know, alluded to someday maybe, but we were able to make that happen. So that is equally as dreaming. To me, that's like equally to dreaming big. It's Yeah. Do you ever get a, a number in your head of how many women you eventually want to see have that similar experience? Oh, God, yeah. Um, you know, we serve... We serve 4,000 women a year at the D Downtown Women's Center. About 1,000 of those go through our educational program. A couple hundred wow. come through um, our workforce development programming. So really being able to, you know, those would be the numbers. Those are the numbers that are coming through our doors. So those are the numbers that we really want to meet. Um, yeah. Yeah, I can tell you have a heart to give everyone an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, I heard one time... Uh, you know, there's not a waiting list on the street, yeah. right? But sometimes there's a waiting list on a great program. Yeah. It's frustrating when we're all working in behind the scenes. You yeah. think, man, if I could get this going bigger, I could serve so many more. I can feel that coming out of you. It's yeah. really beautiful. Yeah. I am not surprised at all to hear about the answer that you just gave, Joe, about dreaming big. Because... I had the opportunity to sit with you when we saw some women who had gone through the Downtown Women's Center program graduate from an extraordinary job training program in town. And uh, the pride that was emanating <laughs> from Joe was just so extraordinary and it just completely overwhelmed me. And I have never forgotten that. And your passion for your work and for your clients is so inspiring to everyone in your community. Cecily and I were energized by what Joe and his staff were leading here. We love the empowering nature of this social enterprise and the way it comes against the reoccurring cycles of poverty on Skid Row. Special thanks to Joe and all of his staff at the Downtown Women's Center and MAID. We encourage everyone to purchase their handmade products. Our next episode from Los Angeles features Robert Egger from the LA Kitchen. The Bonfires of Social Enterprise podcast can be downloaded from iTunes, listened to on TuneIn, and select episodes are now available via PRX.org or the Public Radio Exchange, which is an award-winning public media company. For more information and to directly download episodes on your desktop, please visit bonfiresofsocialenterprise.com and find us on Twitter at Bonfires Podcast and Facebook, Bonfires of Social Enterprise. If you have time, please fill out the survey that we have on the website. It'll help us do what all social enterprises need to do, which is gather data from our listeners so that we can be better servants. I'm Rami and I want to personally thank you for listening and sharing. Music by Dan Castle and Thomas Rojo. Portions of this podcast have been provided by Rami Jingress and are copywritten 2015 Jingress Global LLC and are disseminated by Flatlands Avenue Productions by exclusive arrangement with Jingress Global LLC.